Yeah, we go round and round again. But people, we were meant to blaze a life that's beautiful. Yeah, we got so much love to get. Don't look to the left to right. You know the future's worth the fight. Don't look to the left to right. Uh, hey, yeah. L-O-V-E rolls off the tongue. But sometimes the words just not enough. Gotta dig a little, dig a little deeper. Uh, you got PCC, what's going on today? It's Elijah. And Ellis. It's, it's us. It's, it's us. Hype. We're back. We're back. We're always here every week. It, well, it's usually us. Most of the time. Yeah. Although I do think I maybe have heard rumors, not to not to scare anybody, mm-hmm. that there might be more people cycling through here. Yeah, I heard that too. I don't know yeah. how I feel about it yet, but yeah. I heard that. Well, yeah. It, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I, I love all the people around here. But at the same time, I mean, you know. You know. We won't tell them, but you know. If you had your preference every week. You don't have to say it. Yeah. We know. Yeah. We, we know. know. But if you want to say it, put it in the chat. Surely we have tenure at this point. Surely. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like if people, If somebody around here is like, how do I do hype? Like, who are they going to go to? Oh, I mean, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> they're probably like. They're probably like, nah, please, somebody else. Get rid of these guys (laughs) next week, please. I've been asking for this (laughs) since the beginning of 2021. Somebody's like, yes, somebody else. (laughs) I don't even care who it is. Just watch the the announcements before this. It'll be fine. (laughs) Ten before. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Anyway, we're glad to be here, though. Hope you are, too. Uh, It's the final week in our Big Four series. So, What? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Where did the time go? What the heck? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Time keeps on slipping. I'm going to have to go back and watch the whole thing on YouTube when Into we're the done. future. Because apparently it's like time warp. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we're at the end of our Big Four series. If you don't know, if this is your first week, we've been in, uh, we've been talking about four things in our in our lives that uh, we need to really prioritize getting right in order to have lives that not only are productive, but uh, really pursue, allow us to do whatever we can to pursue the heart of God. Mm-hmm. So... We've been talking about. We've been talking about uh, time, time management. Yep. We've been talking about listening well. Yep. We've been talking about Sabbath or resting. Yep. Uh, and then one more. And one more. Today we're going to talk about something that we all need to have. Mm-hmm. Something that we all actually do have, but sometimes they're not actually there because we haven't thought about them before. Wizards. We no. all have wizards. Yeah. Okay. No, but we, we don't no, think about no. them. Uh, no, I missed that part. Yeah. Mm. Uh, teeth. Te- mm. Well, if you're if you're not thinking about your teeth, you should. That's well. If we do the big five, teeth will be week, week five. five. Yeah. Teeth. Mm-hmm. All right. There get we your, go. <laughs> make sure you get your teeth right, <laughs> whether you have them or not. You know, and 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 that will be that will probably help you. Uh. It's boundaries. <laughs> oh, okay. That boundaries. Makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah. We all have boundaries in our lives, or we don't. And that in and of itself is kind of a boundary. We just haven't established yet. We're going to hear from Brian, Senior Pastor Brian Hughes. He's going to help us understand what it might take to have boundaries, not only with other 
people, which is typically how I think we think about it, but other things too, like our phones. Oh, yeah, right. How do we have boundaries with our phones? Food. Mm. How do we have good boundaries there? Things like that, and of course, people where we need them. And these aren't always like boundaries. Aren't always like, hey man, get away. You know, it's not always that. Right. Right. It's just sort of establishing the. This is how it's. This is how it's going to be, because I know a lot of us need them. So, for whatever it is, we're going to need them, and we're going to try and learn and hear from God about how to establish healthy ones. It sounds like a good week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like we, I don't even mean we, I just mean in general. I don't feel like it gets talked about a ton. It's true. Nobody wants to talk about it, like, because we all, like, we all have somewhere where our Mm -hmm. boundaries could be better. Oh, nobody wants sure. to talk about that, you yeah. know. So, well, mine's definitely food. Like I well, said, food. Nobody was. Everybody was thinking it. I, I didn't say it, but now I am. That's definitely me, which is cool. I mean, <laughs> but, I was I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I can say it. I can say it. It is. But so hopefully, you know, I'll even hear something that'll help me. Now right. I gotta fall on the sword in solidarity. No, you it's don't. Probably yes, I do. I'm going to. Okay. It's probably. It's probably screen time for me. Just screen time as a general entity, not, like, just, not the just the phone. Yeah, like, not TV, just the phone. video yeah. games. Computer. Yes. Yeah. All of the above. Yeah. 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 I I, honestly, like, I've thought about it before. Like, I just wonder between work, like, which, you know, you got to do. Yes. It's not necessarily that it's a bad thing, but between work and then just casual use and then, you know, whatever else, like, even, I mean, even being at like the doctor's office or something where they got you filling something out on the screen, you know, like, yeah. How often are we looking at screens? Yeah. Or at the dentist when I'm staring up at, HDTV. Right. Yeah, right. I don't but need again, that. it's not a bad thing. No. All of you are looking at a screen right now, actually. Yeah. And so it can be productive, and it can be worth your time. Boundaries aren't eliminating things. I don't know why I put the emphasis like that on eliminating, <laughs> but I did. It's not eliminating things from your life. It's just establishing healthy ones. This, a good use of screen time. Yes. Your your fourth hour of your Netflix show, yeah. maybe not the best. Don't eliminate Yes. <laughs> okay. I didn't like. I didn't make it. Like I didn't get it exactly. Different. Eliminating Eliminati. is what I said. Yeah. I don't know what you. Eliminati. Yeah. Did you, yeah, did you make it All right. Spanish? I don't know what we're doing here. Eliminati. <laughs> Some French. Oh, anyway. Oh, oh. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> if you're from France. Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Fill out a welcome card though. We're yes. glad you're here. Please. Um. Anyway. Well, we usually do the big four. Yeah. We don't have a lot of time to do the big four. We got to speed around it. We're well, do, do we? It. Okay. It's the last week. We got to do it. All right. It. Well, let's make it easy then. Okay. Uh, big four. Um, I don't know. Mm. Big four colors. Colors. Yep. All right. Hurry up. Uh, number one, blue. Okay. Number two, probably go red. Okay. Um, number three is going to be orange. Four is going to be green. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Number, my number one is blue also. And number two is probably green, like a forest green. Mm. Three, I would say, is uh, probably like a, a different shade of blue. I really like blue. Four, I would probably go with uh, maybe like a nice yellow. Okay, nice. I like yellow, but not like a not like the solid banana yellow. More like pastel style. Gotcha. Okay. So what are your big four? Put them in the chat. But otherwise, we're gonna worship together now. So I hope you'll listen up. Hope you'll listen for God's voice today, and we'll see you in there. At PCC, we take Jesus seriously. When he said, love God with all your heart, we think he actually meant it. So, we do. 
learn about God from passionate teachers. We make worship and studying the Bible a daily part of our lives. We wrestle with Scripture together and on our own. And we go wherever He leads us to help others do the same thing. Jesus also said, love your neighbor as yourself. And we think He meant that too. So we spend time together because we think relationships matter. We offer help when it's needed. We live generously. We give sacrificially. And we welcome everybody. We take Jesus seriously, but not ourselves. We're the least likely people with the most amazing God and a passionate vision to love God and to love others. To reach people who don't go to church so that we can all know God, discover purpose, get real, make a difference, and be the change. And we are so glad you are here today. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. We are so glad that you've chosen to join with us today. We're going to focus our attention on God. He is a great God and He has done great things. So wherever you are, we just encourage you to join in with us. Let's sing together to Him. He is worthy of our praise. Forevermore, you 
moments or in our darkest places, we can have hope that we're going to make it through because we've built our lives on the truth of Jesus' promises, his promise to never leave us, never forsake us, never forget us. It doesn't make our difficult times go away, but it gives us the unshakable truth that we can make it through. This next song reminds us of those promises. So let's remember together as we sing. We live for you. Oh, 
throwing at you right now, but what a gift it is to know that no matter what happens, we can stand on the firm foundation of Jesus. If we put our trust in him and him alone, then he will sustain us. I'm grateful to celebrate that with all of you today. Hi, I'm Brian Pope, the pastor of our Powhatan campus here at PCC. And I'm Rob Tofert. I am the care pastor here, and we are so glad that you're joining us for church today. And hey, if you haven't yet, would you take a minute to submit a welcome card? You can just click the link in the chat, and on that card, you can ask for prayer, information, or for some time with someone on our team. 
And in just a few minutes, we'll wrap up our big four series, which means that next week we start a new series called No Offense. From the latest headlines to comments on social media, there are plenty of opportunities to be offended each day. At times in the last few years, it's felt like we've, we're all offended about almost everything all the time. But what if we didn't have to be that way? What if we could respond differently to those around us? That's what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks. This new series is a great time to invite a friend, neighbor, or coworker to church. And together, let's learn how to live with no offense. So the past few weeks, we've heard from some people who have discovered their purposes and who are living the dream by volunteering here on our dream team. Well, did you know that you can be a part of what God's doing through this online campus? If this is how you do church, then we'd love to have you as part of the dream team that makes it happen. Reach out to us to learn how you can make a difference here. And now we're going to hear from someone about their experience living the dream. We actually shared her story a couple of months ago. But we know that not everybody got to see it, and it's so powerful that we want everyone to have that chance. So take a look now for the first or second time. I'm Teresa Redford, and I serve on the Dream Team with Power Jam and the Kids Ministry. I am part of the leadership team. When we started with PCC, my husband, myself, my daughter, and my granddaughter, we just loved PCC so much and really believed in what they were doing and how they were reaching the community. There were so many different things that we all needed to step in and do. And we just found that we didn't want to come to church if we didn't help and serve in, in some kind of way, whether it's putting up chairs or teaching or keeping the nursery or taking the chairs down. It makes you feel so much uh, a part of things and it's a good way to get to know people. It's just a wonderful program and a wonderful way to do church. The children are my passion. How excited they get when they come in and the things that they want to learn. And they have so much fun, but yet when they go out the door, you know that they have heard something you say. And it's making the church grow. It's bringing in more young people. And it just, it just meshes all together. I have cancer and I'm home and I watch it online most of the times now. Last week, the Power Jam family decided they would bring Power Jam to my house, to my front lawn and they performed in front of me. And as I look across the faces of the children, I have little kids that are power jammers. We have preteens who are LITs. And then in the back, I had several leaders that I had taught that I, we taught them in grammar school and we taught them, and they were my LITs and they grew up to be leaders now. From my heart, that was living my dream. They appreciated and told me how much I did for them. And I, it's, it's obvious when you see them still serving. So to me, the dream has been fulfilled. 
and followed. I have been living my dream the whole time. Inside of me, I still live it and I feel it. Listen to those words that Teresa said. The dream has been fulfilled. I've been living it the whole time. How many of us could say that? That our dream has been fulfilled. I want to be able to say that like Teresa does. The way that she got to live her dream, it was by serving. It didn't just fall into her lap. It required initiative. It required effort and sacrifice. She has served in PCC Kids regularly for years, investing her heart, her talent, and so much of her time. And she's gotten to see the results. Look, you can too. When you serve in PCC Kids, you get to watch kids grow up physically. And you get to watch them grow in knowing who God is and how to follow him. Check out our website to see how you can be part of changing a child's life. And when you give here, you provide our PCC Kids teams with the resources that they need to make church the place where kids and our student volunteers want to be. So on behalf of them and their parents, thank you. If you'd like to be a part of it, then you can visit pccwire.net slash give to give safely and securely online. Right now, we'd like to ask you to pray with us and thank God for all that he's doing in our church, all he has done and all he will do. Would you pray with me? God, we're thankful today for this opportunity to come together and to celebrate um, and, and to hear the story that Teresa has a story that is available to all of us, an opportunity to join you in the mission that you call us to. So God, as we come to this moment of worship and thanksgiving, we bring our gifts to you and we ask you to do what only you can do, to multiply them, to do immeasurably more than we could ever imagine and to do something both in us and through us, God. And we thank you for making us part of your plan and your mission. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Balance. We like to think that we have some method of getting this right. In ourselves, in our relationships, overall. But the struggle persists. And before we know it, we're overwhelmed. What if there were four things that could flip the script and change things for the better? It's finally time. Find what you've been looking for. If you ask most people what it takes for someone to be happy or to have a good life, they'll list some things like a fulfilling career, uh, family, financial security. Some will include faith in their list, and, and I agree. I include all of these on, on my list. In fact, from the age of 13 or so, whatever age it was when girls went from being annoying to amazing I started thinking about getting married. 
And as, and as I moved toward adulthood, I started thinking about career and, and money and the things that money could buy. And later on, God entered the picture of my life, and so faith had its place too. For many people, those things make up the big four for them, work, family, money or career, and, and God. And there's nothing wrong with that. There, there's nothing bad about that list, but that's not what this series is about. The big four, which we finish today, are fundamental life tools that everybody needs, but that most people don't develop, frankly, or at least we don't develop them well. So if work, faith, finances, and family are our outward expressions of how most of us live life, the underlying skills we need to live life well are more hidden. But I would argue they're more essential. So we started this series in the very first week talking about time, how, how we spend time, how we think about time, because the Bible has a lot to say about this. And so we cracked the door open and looked at how God would have us redeem time and not waste time. And then we talked about listening, or as James, the brother of Jesus, puts it in the Bible, the idea of being quick to listen and slow to speak. Jesus modeled for us how to listen well, but we don't always, or usually. But our, our outward expressions of life in relationships with, with people around us, they cannot be their best if we don't learn how to listen. I mean, really listen to those we love and, and those we work with and, and the God we say we serve. And then last week, we, we looked at the most neglected component of life's natural rhythm, the Sabbath. We, we can't give what we don't have. So God crafted a gift for us, a day of rest where we could be refreshed and refueled for the other six days of the week. Today, we get to the last of the big four, a tool that that most people don't have because most people don't even know it exists. And we get there out of two pieces of Scripture that the Apostle Paul append for us, and they go like this. Brothers and sisters, God has called you to freedom. And then he said, a high price has been paid for your freedom. So don't devalue God's investment by becoming a slave to people. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying that Jesus Christ came to set you free. You are free to choose how you will live your life. Now, if you want to live your best life, you will use your freedom for a life that honors God, because that life, and a life that honors God, will result in peace in your soul, and, and not the conflict that plagues us on the inside when we're living in a way that we know is not right. So if we honor God, we're living in a way that is, that is right or is more right. But the point of these texts, the point of what Paul is saying here, is that you have the freedom to choose. God called you to freedom. You're, a high price has been paid for your freedom. So don't devalue God's investment, that is the investment to get you freedom, by becoming a slave to someone else, by giving it away. You have the freedom to choose. To choose what? Well to choose your life, how you live your life, all of your life. And you might be thinking, gosh, Brian, this is terribly obvious. But I promise you that when, we, when it comes to living this out, it's really not. For most of us, this truth 
is far more complicated, far more blurry. And that's what I want to help you with today. Because God gave you your life. He paid for your freedom so that you could choose how to live your life. You're supposed to decide. It's very much like buying a house. When you buy a house, it comes with usually a survey. There's uh, your house, your property has very specific boundaries, lines, literally connected by points. And those lines determine in a very real tangible way where your property begins and where someone else's property ends. Everything outside of the boundary line that is your property is somebody else's and everything inside of it is yours. Out there does not belong to you. It's out of your control. But everything inside of the boundary, well, that is under your control. You decide what happens in here. But, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if you bought a house, if you own a house, and you didn't share the space at least some of the time, it would be lonely, right? And so friends sometimes come over, and, and, and maybe you want to do some landscaping or some decorating, and you invite somebody, somebody you know or or, or somebody who's a professional to advise you, and you open the gate and you let them into your space, right? Now, I know this sounds remedial, but I promise you that it's going to get real, I mean, seriously real in a minute. So, so stay with me. If this is your property, let me just ask you this question. Here we go. Here, here it is. This is a hard question. If, every, if this is your property, who controls the gate? You do. You get to decide who comes in and who leaves and what they do while they're in here. You get to decide. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about when he says, listen, God has called you to freedom and a high price has been paid for that freedom, the freedom for you to choose how to live your life. So don't devalue God's investment in your freedom by becoming a slave to other people. He's saying God gave you the freedom to live your life as you choose to live it inside of these lines, inside of the boundary that is your life. God trusted you with that. And no one else gets to live your life for you. More than that, God gave you the responsibility to live inside of this boundary well. No one else gets to be blamed when you don't. And that's why Paul said, don't devalue the investment that God made in your freedom by ceding control of that freedom to somebody else. When I started my journey into adulthood with my eye on the prize of marriage for me, that's, that was the prize, and family and career and financial security, when I was thinking about that as I was moving into adulthood, I, I didn't know any of, of this. No one ever taught me the skill that I would later come to learn and, and value, but only, I only got there after I created a ton of pain and agony for myself and, and for other people around me. Sadly, many people never learn or, or practice what I'm going to teach you in the next few minutes, but you can. And when you do, you will find the freedom that Paul describes, not in an abstract way, but in a very tangible way, in a real way in your life. What I'm talking about as we consider the freedom that Paul teaches us that we have to, to live our own lives, we, we coin this term out of it and we call it self-differentiation. 
Self-differentiation is the, is the acknowledgement of absolute responsibility for my life and for my life alone. I have the responsibility for how my life is lived and only for how my life is lived, not for anybody else. Remember, the Apostle Paul said that a high price was paid for my freedom and for yours. And he's talking about the freedom that we were given to choose for ourselves. I have the freedom to live inside of this boundary, and I have the freedom to do it well or not. And I have the responsibility, if particularly as a follower of Jesus, to live my life well, but only my life, not yours. I don't get to live your life for you. So self-differentiation is deeply connected with other people. It is, it's rooted in relationships, and yet it releases control to everyone else for their own decisions, and, and it reclaims my control for my decisions. Do you see? So if self-differentiation is an acknowledgement of responsibility, my responsibility for my life and only my life, then the motto of self-differentiation goes like this. It says, you can cho choose to live your life however you want, and I get to choose to live my life however I want. You can choose to live your life however you want, and I get to choose to live my life however I want. So let's get really practical about how this works. And by the way, this phrase I, I use a lot. And so it's, it's very practical. It's a very useful tool for healthy relationships. And here's what really, so here's what really happens. People, people say these words, uh, they, they say them sort of lightly. So I know I can live my own life and I can make my own decisions, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, my parents are driving me crazy. I mean, I'm a grown man, I'm a grown woman, but my mom treats me like I'm a kid. Constantly, she's telling me what to do. It just makes me nuts. But, but you know, I mean, I can't stand up to her. She's my mother. If some version of that describes you, then you have opened this gate and you've allowed, as you're an adult, you're, you're responsible for what's inside of here, but what you've done is you've opened the gate and you've allowed your parent to come in and take over what's inside of your boundary, what's your property. You've given away the responsibility, the freedom to live your own life. And the solution is to differentiate yourself. It goes something like this, some version of this. Hey, mom, dad, I, I love you. Uh, I really do value your input. And, and I, I respect the fact that you see uh, life a certain way and the world a certain way. And, and look, hey, you, you really, you can live your life however you want to live it. I respect that. But I get to live my life how I choose to live it. Now, you can say those words. You don't have to do it with anger. You can say it with respect. You can even say it with a smile. But remember, this is your life. And, and, and your mom and dad get their own life. They, you don't get to live their life. They don't get to live your life. And, and so that means you control the area inside of this boundary. And you don't control the area that's their boundary. You release that. So when your mom or your dad, if you have this conversation, when they react with anger or anxiety, you don't have to own that. You can even say it. I can see that you're upset about this. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm living inside of my life. I have to do my thing. I have to make my decision. You can live your life however you want to live it. 
I get to live my life however I want to live it. Susan's dad, he's a fanatic about his car. You might even say he's obsessed with it. And you really wouldn't be exaggerating if you said that. He washes his car pretty much every day. No, I'm not kidding. So usually at least five up to seven times a week, he washes his car. It is immaculate inside and out. If it gets a scratch on the bumper, he has it painted. It looks always like it came off the showroom floor. I mean, every minute. When I first met him, I pulled up in the driveway in this old clunker, and it hadn't been washed since, come to think of it, I don't think I'd ever washed it. So he eyed my car and sized me up based on it. I pretty much figured out really quickly that if I ever wanted him to like me, I'd better clean my car. So from that day on, and, and I met him when I was still a teenager, from that day on, for decades, I kid you not, whenever we were going to go see Susan's parents, or whenever they were coming over to see us, I would wash my car. That's the only time I ever washed my car, by the way. And I was mad about it the whole time. I can't believe I've got to wash this car. He just, I just can't believe it. it. Makes me so mad because I know this is how he likes it. And he, he, he makes me do it this way. Then I realized that's silly. He can't make me wash the car. He gets to wash his car every day as much as he wants. And that's okay. But I don't have to wash my car. So the first time I decided to give this up, not have any anxiety about it, I just was going to live my life. The first time I learned this skill, of course, he noticed. And so he made the trip up. They don't live really close by. And he got there. It wasn't long before he said, you must have had a really busy week. Your car's dirty. To which I replied, no, it's been a pretty light week. I just don't care. And I, I released it. I didn't have any anxiety about it. And now we laugh about it together. He gives me a little bit of a hard time in jest, mostly in jest, but I no longer take it personally. He does still think I should wash my car, and I'm okay with that. Why? Simple. Because he can choose to live his life however he wants, and I get to live my life however I want. This goes the other way, too, and, and it can be harder, by the way. Parents, listen up. As your kids get older... And if you have little kids now, this is going to be very disturbing for you. As your kids get older, as they move into adolescence, even before they reach official adulthood, they increasingly assert their independence. But many of us, many of us as parents, we get our, our anxiety goes up, not because they are in our territory, but check this out, because we want to control theirs. When my son Daniel, our, our oldest son, our middle child, all of our kids lived on the third floor of our house. We had an attic that we converted, and the oldest one lived up there. And when she moved out, the next one lived up there. And then finally, our youngest, Joshua, lived up there. We called it the cave. It was somewhat of a disaster zone. It was sort of radioactive. We made a decision never to go up there. We still haven't been up there since the last one left. It, probably the solution to the cave is just to burn it. Anyway, Daniel was living in the cave. It was his turn. And, and as he was getting older, uh, we had this conversation a lot with Susan. She would say, I cannot understand why he will not bring his laundry and put it in the hamper. 
All I ask him to do is bring it down from his room down to the hamper, and I'll wash and fold his clothes, but he never does. I have to go up there, and I have to clean his, I have to get his clothes. So I said to Susan, I said, um, maybe you shouldn't go get his clothes anymore. Maybe you could just say, Daniel, I'm glad to wash your clothes if you bring them down, and if you don't bring them down, I'm not going to wash them, and I'm not mad about it. It's okay. And she said, well, I can't do that. And I said, well, what would happen if you did that? And, and we went, like, this was very hard for Susan to work through us. Alone, serious, seriously, what would happen if Daniel never brought his clothes down and you didn't go get them? She said, I guess he'd run out of clean clothes. That's it. Then what would happen? She said, well, I don't know. I said, well, think hard. She said, I really don't know. I said, would he go naked? No, he wouldn't go naked. Well, what would he do? Well, I guess he'd have to wear dirty clothes. That's it. He'd wear dirty clothes. I could see the you know, trauma forming on her face. I'd say, then, then what would happen? Well, I don't know. What would happen the next day if he wore dirty clothes today and you didn't go get the clothes and you didn't bring them down and you didn't wash them? What would happen the next day? Well, he'd wear dirty clothes again. That's right. And then he'd do it again. And then he'd do it again. Then what would happen? I don't know. Think hard. Eventually, what would happen? He would smell. Yeah. How many times do you think it would take when some kid leans up to Daniel and says, hey, dude, you stink? Just once. Just once. Turns out, Susan, it was hard, took my advice, stopped going and getting his clothes, and before long, Daniel just skipped bringing them down to the hamper. He just started washing his own clothes. That's how this works. And you can do it without any anxiety because, hey, you're making your own decisions, and it's cool if you don't want me to wash your clothes for you. But if you do, you just got to bring them down. This is a major source of anxiety in parents, and, and that anxiety then bleeds into the entire family because parents with good and loving hearts and good intentions don't know how to release control for their kids' lives as they become adults. Parents, your child as they get older and as they become an adult, they need your guidance, but not your control. You can't decide for them, even if they're going to make a mistake. But you can ask them. You can ask them. Seriously, request the honor of being a trusted voice in their lives. And, and they'll accept it. They'll accept the invitation as long as you agree to leave the ultimate decision with them. You don't have to agree with their choice, but you do have to release it. It doesn't belong to you. It's theirs. And, and, and if you don't, if you don't allow people around you, if you try to control their lives and then they're in your, you're in your, your territory and you're in their territory and the boundary lines start to get blurry and anxiety builds and then it becomes unhealthy ceding the freedom that God gave to all of us and seizing freedom from other people, freedom that doesn't belong to us, and it's just a mess. But it doesn't have to be that way. It's important that we remember that God created us. He created us to live in families and relationships. So this boundary is not intended to be exclusive. It's the freedom that is that is rooted in deep connection with other people. It's not uncaring. It's not unloving. It's connected. Of course we take care of each other when there's a need. So self-differentiation is not disconnection. It's a clear understanding of where I am responsible 
and where you are responsible. Namely, my freedom is to choose how to live my life, and your freedom is to choose how to live yours. One of the most difficult places that I see this playing out is when there's been betrayal or abuse. When someone we love betrays us, like when a spouse has been unfaithful, there's often a sense of entrapment, like... I just don't have any options. I just don't have any choices. Or, or when an adult child gets in trouble or maybe is mired in addiction, parents often feel like they have to solve the problem, like, like there's, they are responsible for that person's life. But the truth is that you always have the choice to step inside of your boundary and define what happens in here and not out there. And often, the reality is, often the more you try to control somebody else's life, the worse the situation gets. The solution is to differentiate, self-differentiation. You're, you're not trying to control somebody else's life. I release that. And that includes matters of faith. One of the most common, one of the most common angst that come to me from people is somebody that says, I just, how can I make my husband believe in God? How can I make my child take their faith seriously? How can I make my friend come to know Jesus? And the answer, unsatisfying as it is, is that you can't because they control their life and you control yours. When my daughter, Mary Ashley, our oldest, was a freshman in college, she she played a lot in, in that early part of her schooling career. And I knew it. I watched her play a lot. I released control of that. I said to her, listen, you can live your life however you want to. I just want you to know now, listen, I only pay for A's and B's. So I'm going to you know, take care of the college tuition, but I don't, like, I don't pay for C's. No, no, Dad, you don't have to worry about that. I got it. And so I watched her play. And every once in a while, I, I would ask, you know, hey, how's it going? How's school going? She would say, it's great. I'm heading out now with my friends. This went on like over and over again. We get down to the end of the semester. I said, Mary Ashley, um, where are your grades? I'd like, can I see your grades? She says, oh yeah, I haven't gotten them yet. There's a, uh, the teacher hasn't submitted them. Okay. I waited about a week. Hey, where, where are those grades? Oh, there was a computer glitch, she said. We haven't, they haven't processed it yet. I waited another week. I said, everybody on Facebook is saying that they got their grades. Where's, where are my grades? I was calling them my grades now. I got paid for them. I own them. Bring me my grades. She said, you know, she gave me some other lame excuse. So that night she you know, went out with her friends, came home, stayed, in, stayed up late. And I got up the next morning. At like nine o'clock, I went into her room. I took her cell phone, and she's an adult now. I took her cell phone, I took it downstairs, and she lived in the cave, of course. And so she comes downstairs and she says, Hey, uh, it's about 10 o'clock. Hey, where's my phone? I said, You can have your phone when I get my grades. And she goes in the other room, I hear her banging on the, she, she's banging on the laptop, hitting it as hard as she can, and I hear her crying. And I walk in there and she says, This is the worst day of my life. She had, failed some classes, and it was kind of a disaster because she played a lot. And so I called a family meeting. I sat down with her and, and Susan, and I said, hey, you can live your life however you want to live it. Um, and, and I'm cool with it. If, if I'm cool with it. However you decide, is, it's okay with me. But I get to live my life however I want to live it. And, and I told you ahead of time, like, I don't, I don't pay for grades like this. Um, so here's the deal. You're going to pay me back for this semester, and uh, I'll still pay for your school, but I'm not fronting the money anymore. Now, you're going to have to find a way to pay for it, and when you bring me your report card with A's and B's, I will reimburse you. 
for everything, books and fees and the whole bit. So she left that day. She said, I'm going to see grandma. And she didn't come back for like six months. And eventually she did. I'll talk about that in a second. Eventually she did come home. She called and asked for a family meeting. We sat down with her again in the same place. And she said, I've gotten myself together. And I know I didn't take it seriously. She paid me back, by the way. She said, I know I didn't take this seriously, but, but I'm ready now. And I'd like to know if you'd give me one more shot and pay up front for my classes. And I said, okay. And she never looked back. Graduated, you know, three or four years later, and, and it was all good after that. Now, that last piece is important. First of all, just to acknowledge that it's okay. It's, it is totally okay for you to differentiate. You can do it without anxiety. You get to live your life however you want to live it. I'm cool with it. Uh, but I get to live my life however I want to live it. You have, you have to respect that. I hope you respect that, but that's the way it's going to be. The last piece of that story with my daughter is important, and you need to know about it. If you've been trying to control others, or if you've been allowing other people to control you, when you finally differentiate, when you put this tool into practice, when you say, listen, you know, I know we haven't been doing it like this, but I, you get to live your life however you want to live it. I get to live my life however I want to live it. Things are going to be a little different in terms of the way that I relate to you when you do that it almost always results in sabotage. Sabotage is an attempt that the other person puts into place to get things to go back to the way they used to be. It's, it's the person wants it like that. And so you're saying, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm changing the way I relate to you. I hope you're not upset about it, but I've, I can live my life this way. And I've decided they're going to sabotage because they want it the way it was. And sabotage is a game of blink. See, whoever blinks first loses. I know someone, I'm really close with someone, whose adult child asks them for money several times every month. When I say adult, I don't mean 20. And I'm not trying to insult you if you're 20. I'm just saying that early in our adult life, sometimes we need a little help getting started. That's cool. Nothing wrong with that. But this was an adult child who was, child who was like 40. And for his entire adult life, and I'm not exaggerating, he had been asking for money from his parents every week every week. And his parents always said yes, every week, for years, for decades. And they always resented it. They blamed him for not growing up. They said, when they finally get to me, they said, I just cannot understand why he keeps asking us for money. And I replied, what's not to understand? You keep giving it to him. And by the way, he always packaged his request as if it was a loan. Can I borrow some money? But he never paid them back, ever. And so I advised them like this. I taught them about self-differentiation, and I said, uh, if you want your 40-year-old kid to become an adult, then the next time he calls, say this. Say, John, his name wasn't John, by the way. Uh, John, we want you to know that we love you, and um, I'm going to give you the money you're asking for today. In fact, I want you to know that all the money we've ever given to you uh, which you've called a loan, we're going to forget about all of it. Like, slate's clean. Consider it all a gift. But after today, after we give you this money today, we will not be giving you or loaning you any more money anymore, like at all. If you call us and ask us for money, we're going to respectfully decline. I hope you're not mad. We're certainly not mad at you. But we've decided that we're not going to do this anymore. I advised them to do this in a gentle voice and to release the anxiety as they spoke the words, but I also warned them that sabotage would come, and it did. I hate you, he said. I'm never talking to you again. 
you'll never see me again. I guess I'm going to have to be homeless now, thanks to you. You're just being selfish. You never really loved me. And some other things. All those words, he said, which I told them would come, those were words simply in an attempt to get them to relent and to go back to the way things were. But sabotage is a game of blink. And those wise parents didn't. So after some silence, and he was silent for a while, sort of like when my daughter left to go spend the night at her grandma's house and didn't come home for six months. After some silence, their son came back. And he apologized, and he thanked them. And the family reset, this time with healthy boundaries and and everybody taking responsibility for their own life and not trying to control somebody else's life. This time, their anxiety reduced. Dr. Viktor Frankl, who famously survived three grueling years at Auschwitz and other Nazi prison camps, he said this one time. He said, we who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. That's what self-differentiation is. It's the key to healthy boundaries. It's the, and if, and if self-differentiation is the key to healthy boundaries, healthy boundaries is the, is the key to healthy relationships. That's how you get there. It's not easy, but it's a skill that we can all learn. And the result will be less anxiety in our families, less anxiety in ourselves. So we want to finish our time today with a song that I had never heard before our team introduced it to me. It's quickly become one of my favorites because it reminds me of how powerful this truth is that we've been talking about today. I hope it speaks to you like it has to me. And my prayer for you is that you take back what God entrusted to you, a sacred trust, what he only entrusted to you, remembering along the way that God has called you to freedom and a high price has been paid for that freedom. So don't devalue God's investment by becoming a slave to people.
hand on the switch. You get to decide when to lower and to raise the bridge, when to open and to close the gate. You can take back what God has entrusted to you or release what he's entrusted to someone else. You can do this. We'd love to help. So we've created a six-week online class about how to set healthy boundaries. There are also two in-person opportunities at our Aylet and Riverside campuses. Those kick off in a couple of weeks and you can find out more on our website or our app. Thank you for being here today. Don't forget to invite someone back with you next week as we kick off the No Offense series. See you then. Some people take what you got till you got nothing to give. And I could play the victim, but let's call a spade what it is. Nobody's fault but my own, it's my hand on the switch And I know how to let it down I know 